0: Squeaky Clean listeners, welcome to the 81st episode of the Squeaky Clean Energy Podcast, where we bring you the latest in North Carolina clean energy news, policy, and more every two weeks. And we're back after a short holiday break hiatus. We've got one more episode for you before the end of 2022, and lots more exciting content lined up and ready to go for 2023. But on today's episode. We're bringing you a conversation with a guest who will cover the state of the states when it comes to energy efficiency to share exactly how North Carolina stacks up against the other 49 states across the country. In the conversation, we talk about what North Carolina does well and where there's a lot left to be desired. We'll also talk about how those efforts compare to our neighboring states to the north and south. So stay tuned for that conversation after a few short updates. As many of the followers of this podcast know, we're set to receive a carbon plan order from the North Carolina Utilities Commission here in the very near future. In fact, HB 951, which was the bill that put all of this into effect, requires that the commission issue a final plan by December 31st, 2022. And as a quick reminder, the bill establishes mandates to see 70% carbon reduction in the electricity sector by 2030 and to achieve carbon neutrality by 2050. Throughout all of 2022, the proceedings have been time and resource intensive, starting with stakeholder meetings, then modeling from the utilities, followed by modeling proposed by other interveners, including NCSEA, the Southern Environmental Law Center, the NRDC, and Sierra Club. Then, after that, was evidentiary hearings at the Dobbs Building in downtown Raleigh, followed by proposed orders from interveners, and all of those efforts leading up to the order we're expecting to see here in the next week or so. So, stay tuned as we'll be one of the first to provide an analysis of what's in that order and what it means for the future of electricity in North Carolina. And for our attorneys listening in, NCSEA just announced the dates for the 2023 Continuing Legal Education event focused on clean energy in the Southeast. If you haven't attended this event in the past, It's the go-to for anything clean energy policy and regulation within North Carolina and beyond. This year, in particular, will be focused on HOAs and rooftop solar, the South Carolina RTO study, FERC order 2222, and of course, the carbon plan. This is a great way for attorneys to earn six of their required CLE credits and for everyone else to stay up to date on everything going on in clean energy. This year's event will take place on February 23rd in Raleigh. Make sure to mark your calendars and register today at energync.org. And just recently, our partners at Conservatives for Clean Energy and Chambers for Innovation and Clean Energy hosted their annual Clean Energy Champions event in Greensboro, recognizing many of the elected officials and businesses that continue to advance clean energy innovation and investment here within the state. And in case you missed it, We've previously hosted these partners on the podcast to talk about past Clean Energy Champions events. We'll include a link in the show notes. But for this year's event, which took place December 2nd, the following individuals are recognized for their contributions within this space. Representative David Rouser, Representative Ed Goodwin, Representative Harry Warren, Representative Mike Lazara, Representative Matthew Winslow, and U.S. Senator Richard Burr. If you follow any of these individuals on social media, make sure to reach out and thank them for their commitment to expanding the clean energy economy within the state and across the region. Okay, on to the show. As mentioned, we're excited to welcome on a guest who has some of the best insight into the state of energy efficiency across the country. I'm so excited to welcome them on to talk about the latest trends in energy efficiency while taking a deep dive into North Carolina's scorecard. All right, without further ado, let's welcome on our guest.
1: Clean hey.
0: Our guest is a senior research analyst at ACEEE and is the lead author of the 2022 State Energy Efficiency Scorecard. She conducts research and analysis for ACEEE's state policy program and supports cross-cutting research across the organization. Prior to joining ACEEE, our guest worked at UCLA as a research assistant, and most recently as an intern at the Alliance to Save Energy, contributing to energy efficiency projects for the Research and Strategic Initiatives team. Our guest holds a Master of Environmental Management from the Yale School of the Environment and a bachelor's degree in environmental science from the University of California, Los Angeles. Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome Sagarika Cybermanian with E to the Squeaky Clean Energy Podcast. Sagarika, welcome to the pod.
1: Thanks for having me.
0: So let's just dive right into it. So can you tell us a little bit more about the State Energy Efficiency Scorecard uh, that you helped to author and recently released earlier this month and the intent of this report that E publishes each year?
1: So the State Energy Efficiency Scorecard is an annual report that ACEEE is published since 2007. Uh, And while it has evolved over the years, the the intent has always been to to document, benchmark, and and sort of compare state efforts to advance energy efficiency uh, and now equity across different policy sectors. Uh, And so the, the state scorecard is a great way to highlight best practices, encourage friendly competition among the states, and and ultimately share examples from across the country about how states can improve. And this year is the 15th annual release of the report.
0: So how are the findings calculated, and where does that data come from for this report?
1: All right. So the report scores and ranks states based on over 40 different metrics or scoring categories across uh, six policy areas. So that's a lot of data and information that we're using. Uh, and each state can earn a maximum of 50 points, again, split across all of these different policy areas. So, so what are those areas? They're utility programs and policies, transportation, buildings, things that state governments can do, industrial energy efficiency policies, which is a, a new policy area for this scorecard, and also appliance standards. And, and this year, we, we increased our scorecard's focus on equity by adding 10 new scoring categories, again, distributed across all policy areas because we, we want to make sure that overall state leaders are also leading on equity. It's not enough to only be leading on on energy efficiency and decarbonization, but um, it's important to do that equitably. And in terms of the actual data, we primarily rely on, Data requests that we send out to to state energy offices uh, and public utility commission staff in every state. But if we're not able to receive the information that we need, then then we also look at publicly available data sources, uh, and we we leverage data from other AC Triple research efforts as well.
0: In an area that that you just mentioned, that you have an expanded focus on this year is equitable energy efficiency policies. So I am really, really curious about this. And so what do those metrics look like uh, for equitable energy efficiency? And are there some policies that really stand out on this front in various states to you?
1: It's a great question. And and just you know just a bit of background. So so for the 2022 scorecard, we we greatly expanded our scoring framework and included 10 new metrics. This accounts for about 20% of the overall points in in the scorecard this year. And we did not come up with these metrics all on our own. We developed them as part of ACEEE's Leading with Equity initiative, which convened community-based organizations and advocates, utilities, uh, and energy efficiency program implementers to to really identify what these equity-focused metrics should be, not only for our uh, state scorecard, but also for ACEEE city and utility scorecards. Uh, and so I'll I'll preface this by saying, you know, moving forward, we'll we'll have to continue to adjust our methodology and, and continuing conversations as part of the Leading with Equity initiative. But in terms of some concrete examples of what we have looked at in the report, that can include anything from uh, state efforts to strengthen community engagement processes or provide compensation for marginalized communities or organizations who want to participate in energy utility proceedings. And and that might be cost prohibitive for them. So providing compensation for those folks, improving tracking of energy equity related data on the utility side to figure out who the program benefits are reaching and and if they are reaching those, those folks and certain groups of people. And State programs to also remediate health and safety barriers before weatherization services. So, so kind of a you know a mix of of different policies that are are really looking at you know, procedural equity and distributional equity again across all of these different policy areas.
0: Yeah, and on the process front, I know for example, uh, low and moderate income participation in commission proceedings has been something that is is top of mind for a lot of folks here in North Carolina. Uh, given that you know over the past year we've been going through the the carbon plan uh, process here in the state and there have been concerns from various stakeholders that there hadn't been as much uh, low and moderate income representation or uh, communities of diversity or color uh, representation throughout that carbon plan process for some of the reasons that you outlined earlier the resources that uh, are you know are required to be able to engage in a in a venue like a, a state utilities commission. And so I know I'm I'm really excited to to highlight this focus in the report that you all put together so that our our listeners can go in and read about specific programs and examples that are taking place all across various states throughout the country so that hopefully we can use that as some inspiration for for different programs and tools that we can put into place here in North Carolina. So taking a step back uh, looking at the states that rank in the top ten on on the scorecard, with California, Massachusetts, New York, Vermont, and Maine all at the top, are there connecting threads that propel each of these states to the top of this list? And you know, is it something like whether they're red or blue states? Is there something that's different about their utility market structure overall? Why are these states at the top of the list?
1: That's a great question, and there there are certainly some connecting threads between. the the top 10 states. Generally speaking, leaders in the scorecard have made some sort of broad, long-term commitment to energy efficiency. And that can look like robust emission reduction goals and, and plans and programs that are developed to achieve those goals. And then in terms of specific policies, we, we do see that many of the top states have something called an Energy Efficiency Resource Standard or EERS, which uh, for listeners, that's a policy that sets specific energy savings targets that utilities must meet through customer energy efficiency programs. And right now, 26 states plus the District of Columbia have an EERS uh, and we see that states with an EERS achieve three to four times the levels of savings compared to those without one. So it's quite an um, effective policy. And, you know, on the, the utility market structure front, I think states that are doing well, they are reforming utility business models to properly value energy efficiency through policies like an EERS or performance incentives, which, rewards utilities for for reaching or exceeding a specified goal. So so perhaps you know on that front where we are moving away slowly from from the traditional utility business model and and some of these top states are are going in that direction and you know in terms of non-utility policies top states have updated their building energy codes for residential and commercial buildings they're incentivizing electric vehicle adoption, supporting mass transit, and uh, adopting energy and water-saving appliance standards, which, which are really important too. So I don't think it's necessarily a question of, of blue states versus red states. Energy efficiency historically has been a bipartisan priority, and, and you know we're just seeing that some states are, are more committed to using energy efficiency as a resource than others.
0: Yeah. And, and, you know, a, a good uh, sort of interesting case study, right, is, is North Carolina, who is, you know, I think one of the, the purplest of purple states in the country. And, you know, a, a few things that you mentioned, right, the EERS, uh, performance incentive mechanisms and building energy codes are all conversations that have been happening here in, in North Carolina for some time. And starting back with 2007, the renewable energy and energy efficiency portfolio standards that our state put into place, which really propelled North Carolina to a leader in the Southeast in energy efficiency deployment. Now, granted, that's that's somewhat kind of stalled out as we've hit those targets over the past couple of years, and which has kind of renewed the conversation about maybe potentially updating those or expanding those. And, you know, that we'll talk about that a little bit in terms of where North Carolina ranks in the overall rankings. But I know we've also been talking about, as part of House Bill 951 here in the state, performance incentive mechanisms and multi-year rate planning, And then we're also set to update our our building energy codes here in the near future in North Carolina as well. So a lot of conversations taking place on these very topics that you're outlining here. So getting into North Carolina, given that we have a large contingent of listeners based here in the state, where does North Carolina fall overall within the rankings on the scorecard?
1: Right. North Carolina is interesting. It's um, it's very much squarely in the middle of the pack. It ranked uh, 25th this year but only scored 14 and a half points out of 50. And, and you know, that that's really telling as well, um, where ideally we would want states that are say scoring 25 out of 50 to also be ranked 25th out of, you know, all of these states. But, but that's really telling of, of how, how so many states have, have a long way to go really. So yep, North Carolina is um, right in the middle. It's, it's not exactly a leader, but it's, it's not at the very bottom either overall.
0: So what, opportunities are there for improvement within that score that you mentioned, 14 and a half out of 50? How can we further move up the rankings and improve that score?
1: All right. There, there are definitely um, opportunities for improvement. And I guess we can go a little bit more into the the, the savings aspect of it. So, so in the scorecard, we look at statewide savings as a, a percentage of sales from electric energy efficiency programs in the utility sector and we do this on an annual basis, and this year we looked at 2021. And North Carolina savings are are just around the average. They're still one of the highest in the Southeast, but but are still around the average overall. And and so what you were talking about earlier in terms of the renewable energy and energy efficiency portfolio standard, one thing that could help is is you know upping those, those savings targets or, or even just separating out the renewable portfolio standard and, the, and an energy efficiency resource standard and having a firm target for utilities to, to really drive those, those savings up. Also, we do deduct points in the scorecard for programs and policies that are detrimental to energy efficiency. And so you might see a couple of negative points in the scorecard and, and wonder what that is. And it's it's for, for states that have programs or policies that are kind of prohibitive to energy efficiency. And one of those is an opt-out program for, for large commercial industrial customers. They're allowed to opt out of energy efficiency programs. And allowing those customers to do that just leaves so many efficiency savings and emissions reductions behind and on the table. And, you know, instead of that, there are uh, opportunities like something called a self-direct program, which would also require these large industrial customers to still have ownership over their energy efficiency investments, but then you have the utility program administrators measuring and verifying those savings. And so we're still able to capture those savings. And you mentioned building energy codes. We certainly see an opportunity for North Carolina to update those codes and and make newly constructed buildings more, more energy efficient. North Carolina could invest more in public transit, as could many states in the scorecard. It's not just all about electric vehicles. It's also about public transit for those who who won't be able to afford electric vehicles, or you know, have those vehicles accessible to them. And so that that's not uniquely specific to North Carolina, but but is another area that that could be approved on.
0: So speaking of uniquely specific to North Carolina, you you talked about the ability of large energy consumers to opt out of energy efficiency programs. Is is that something that we see in other states? And what would be the reasoning behind allowing those customers to opt out of a program like that?
1: That is something we we do see in other states, and uh, I think particularly in the Southeast as well. Uh, and, you know, l- large commercial and industrial customers have have very unique, challenges in terms of getting those energy savings and reducing emissions for their facilities it's it's a lot more more unique perhaps than than other challenges that other sectors might face and so i think that was the impetus behind you know allowing some of these larger customers to to kind of opt out of energy efficiency programs, but with the intention that they were developing plans to increase energy efficiency on their own and, and we've seen over the years that those savings aren't usually verified. And so things like self-direct programs could really help.
0: In terms of because it's on top of mind for myself, NCSEA, a lot of other partners in, in North Carolina, Given that we are expecting a a final carbon plan order from the North Carolina Utilities Commission before the end of this month, which would uh, fulfill the hopefully fulfill the requirements of House Bill nine fifty one to reduce carbon emissions by seventy percent by twenty thirty, uh, would that potentially help North Carolina move up the rankings on uh, on the scoreboard overall?
1: That's a really good question, and I think it's it's hard to tell. It really depends. You know, we're, we're waiting for the. The carbon plan to come out very soon by the end of this month. And you know, it's really a question to to what degree that energy efficiency is a key piece of that strategy for utilities to to reduce electricity sector emissions. And I think we'll just have to wait and see how how, you know, if energy efficiency is really valued in the plan. And and that could certainly help improve North Carolina's rankings moving forward. But I don't think um i can say anything definitively right now
0: (laughs) yeah and you're right the the jury's still out on on exactly how that's going to look once we get that order and you know i will say that ncsea and our partners at the southern environmental law center sierra club nrdc um, we we all submitted our own proposed order uh, and modeling which advocated for a lot of additional uh, energy efficiency programs uh, and using energy efficiency as a tool to reaching those carbon reduction goals overall. So fingers crossed, we, we see some of that included in the order coming out in the very near future. So let's, let's talk about kind of contextualizing North Carolina within the southeast. So how does the state compare to, to other, other states in the region, let's say South Carolina or Virginia?
1: Right. Well, Virginia was, we'll start with Virginia. Virginia. Virginia ranked first in the Southeast and numbered 19 overall. So, so it's actually doing, doing pretty well and, and has taken a lot of important steps to, to kind of ramp up energy efficiency programs in recent years, particularly through uh, legislation like the Virginia Clean Economy Act uh, and also its participation in REGI or the Regional Greenhouse Gas Initiative. Uh, and, and the great thing about that is that the auction proceeds from Virginia's participation in REGI are are used for for low income energy efficiency programs to a degree that other states participating in REGI are not doing. Um, and so that's that's really quite impactful is, is reinvesting those proceeds into energy efficiency and specifically for vulnerable residents and, and low income communities. So Virginia is doing well there. And North Carolina came came second in in the region overall, but is still you know, six spots lower than, than Virginia. Unfortunately, the opposite is true for South Carolina. The state ranked last in the Southeast, but, but almost last overall in the scorecard as well at 49th place. Uh, and so I think the point is that there, there is a lot of variation in the Southeast, even just looking Comparing North Carolina to South Carolina and and Virginia, it's interesting because uh, you know we 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 label North Carolina as a state to watch, and we identify leaders in every region so that some of the 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 states in those regions can can look to another state and not just always have to point to well well we know California and Massachusetts are doing a lot, but you know they may have very different policy landscapes or constraints, and so identifying those those leaders in every region is. I think a good way to say, well, we'll look at how much more you could be doing.
0: So you mentioned North Carolina being labeled as a state to watch. What does that mean? And why should we keep an eye out for for this state?
1: I, I think with, with laws like HB 951, um, we, we are interested to see how how the state plans to, to implement it and, and what the carbon plan will say in terms of um, energy efficiency. And I think that, that that's what we mean when we're, we're keeping an eye out. It's also... As you said, there are so many other ways that North Carolina is, you know, having these discussions to to move energy efficiency along. But North Carolina is still squarely in the middle. And so we think that maybe in, in the next couple of years with all of these, these new policy developments and, and pushes, hopefully it'll get out of that um, middle range.
0: Fingers crossed. I'd love to see us move further up the rankings and uh... Move in the opposite direction that South Carolina moved over the the past year. Before we dive into our last question, I did want to ask: Given all the excitement around the Inflation Reduction Act and historic amounts of funding being invested into energy efficiency and clean energy, how could we expect to see that funding impact the findings of this report and states' efforts on the EE front in the future?
1: We we don't necessarily look at federal funding in our our state scorecard report, but I would be you know remiss to, to mention that all of this new funding from bipartisan infrastructure law and inflation reduction act really offers unprecedented levels of support for states to to truly invest in, in clean energy and energy efficiency, especially with with states that may not feel like they have the appropriate funding to do so. And so so now that all of this this money is going towards states, we we think it'll be a big game changer and you know we we hope to see a lot of the the benefits of of energy efficiency reach lots of people because of this.
0: So given that ACEE has been tracking state rankings for about 15 years or so, what are some of the biggest trends within energy efficiency and energy that you're seeing right now for listeners to keep an eye on moving forward?
1: Yep, great question. I'll start with with California, who recently approved the new clean car rules uh, to really accelerate the transition of electric vehicles and requiring that all new light and medium duty vehicles sold in the state need to be zero emissions by 2035 and transportation is the largest source of greenhouse gas emissions in the US so we think this will really move the needle in the right direction uh, especially as you know other states already look to California for policies and do adopt California's vehicle regulations and so as more states start adopting these these new approved clean car rules we think that'll that'll have a big impact in terms of moving the needle Uh, On on the building side, we're also seeing building performance standards as an emerging area in some states. So these are standards that set a ceiling on a building's annual energy use or associated greenhouse gas emissions and then lower that limit over time. And this is particularly important to to target energy use and emissions in existing buildings, right? So, So building energy codes are related to new construction But existing buildings are are a huge area that we we need to be reducing energy and use and emissions from. So right now, only three states: Washington, Colorado, and Maryland, plus DC, have passed building performance standard legislation. But I think we'll we'll continue to to see that being adopted in more states in the future. On the industrial side, since this is a new policy area that we've looked at in, in the state scorecard. States are really starting to tackle emissions from the industrial sector, and energy efficiency is a really important first step towards doing that, and, and can pair well with with other decarbonization tools for um, the industrial sector. So efforts include uh, strategic energy management to to really optimize energy performance, and, and hopefully also removing opt out programs uh, or having other options for for these customers. We're seeing more states move in that area as well. And then on the equity side, more and more states are understanding the importance of, of just being inclusive of of all customers and um, really collaborating with these communities, identifying communities that, that would benefit greatly from energy efficiency policies and programs uh, and over a dozen states have advisory councils or collaboratives and working groups that that act as a contact point with marginalized groups, or or they consult with environmental justice organizations to to really better understand the needs of these these communities and to create appropriate strategies for them as well.
0: And you mentioned earlier transportation being the largest source of emissions in the economy overall. Uh, one area that you know I think North Carolina. Uh, stands to improve is within the transportation sector, especially given that we're currently in the midst of developing a clean transportation plan led up by the North Carolina Department of Transportation to help us reach our state's goals of 1.25 million EVs on the road by 2030. So hopefully that will help us move further up the the rankings as well in the future. And I know uh, some of the folks on on our team as well Actively participate in a um, in a collaborative called the Low Income Energy Affordability Collaborative here in North Carolina with the utilities, in which that that collaborative has helped to spearhead a number of pilot programs, including tariffed on bill financing through the the utilities here. So, uh, again, I'm I'm really excited to see a lot of these uh, programs come to fruition here, and hopefully continue to move us up the rankings and push us into a, a position as the, the leader within the Southeast, although I know we've got a, a, a pretty strong competitor just to the north of us. <laughs> but I'll make sure that, that we share out in the show notes from today's episode the, uh, the North Carolina state scorecard that, that you all have put together and a link to the report overall for folks to, to do a deep dive into a number of these programs that you've outlined see some of the metrics that you've put together in, in compiling all of the data, especially as it relates to equitable EE programs. Some really, really incredible work from from you and the team. So I just wanted to thank you so much, Sagarika, for joining us on today's episode of the, the Squeaky Clean Energy podcast and sharing some updates from the uh, state scorecard.
1: Matt, thank you so much for having me. And I hope that, that folks find this report useful. We, we really do want to highlight all of the work that the states are doing. But but also nudge lots of states in the right direction, too.
0: I'm going to keep my key takeaway short because I actually have an ask for all of our listeners. But before that, I did want to reflect on North Carolina's standing as a middle-of-the-pack EE implementer. North Carolina was for some time a leader in this space dating back to 2007 with the Reps Law that passed. However, we haven't kept up with the times and need a big push to propel the state back into a leadership role. That's where all of you come in. This is an opportunity to push state regulators and policymakers to prioritize EE as a means to reaching our state's emission reduction goals. And now is the time for the ask. If you've been listening to this podcast for some time and enjoy what you hear, I'm asking you to consider contributing to the North Carolina Sustainable Energy Association. Your contributions and those of your clean energy neighbors help to make programming like this possible. Now, through the end of January, we're conducting a campaign that's dependent upon your support to help ensure we're as prepared as possible to be able to handle what is shaping up to be a busy, busy 2023. Your support is instrumental to a strong clean energy showing at the North Carolina Utilities Commission and North Carolina General Assembly. Make sure to visit energync.org for more information on our annual giving campaign and to find out how you can help support today. All right, that's it. See y'all later.